Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says it is Satan and his demons who blind the world, the unbelieving, to the glorious gospel of Christ. Listen to this. It's not just religions in the third world that are instruments of demons to lure people away from the truth. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, Satan might be powerful, but he's still only one being. So how does the devil manage to tempt and deceive billions of people at the same time? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress exposes the reality of Satan's accomplices and what they're capable of doing to you. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Do you ever click on the evening news and feel a foreboding sense of evil? I certainly do. In my lifetime, I've never witnessed the level of open hostility and the vile expressions of defiance against God that we're seeing today. Our world is going through so many battles right now, and it's caused many of us to wonder, is the devil our enemy winning the war? Well, as we watch the culture wars spin out of control, sometimes it's easier to feel like a victim than a victor. When the godless agenda of those who live in darkness seems to gain ground, it's natural to feel discouraged. And yet, God has promised that Christians who prepare for battle will win the battle. When we put on the full armor of God, Satan doesn't have a prayer. In our current series, The Divine Defense, we're learning from Ephesians chapter 6 and Paul's wonderful description of that divine defense God has provided for every believer. In addition to this broadcast series, I've written a book on this important topic. It's also called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. No Christian should walk into battle without the right protective gear. My book will show you the wonderful equipment God has provided. With your generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll make sure a copy of my book is sent to your home. Again, my book is called The Divine Defense. I'll say more about my book and other resources later. But right now, let's get back to the study we began yesterday. I've titled today's message, The World of Demons. Have you ever been having one of those really productive days where you were checking everything off your to-do list when suddenly out of nowhere this fear seized your mind and no matter how much you tried to rid yourself of that fear, it just paralyzed you with inactivity? Have you ever been in a situation where a temptation just came out of nowhere into your life? If your answer is yes to any of those situations, then you have come face to face with the world of demons. The temptations you face don't come from Satan himself. He can't be in more than one place at a time. He doesn't have to be. Because you see, he has a whole army of demonic helpers. We call them demons who are there to assist him in carrying out his deceitful and destructive plan for your life. Uh, like Satan, demons have been caricatured as, uh, as these little uh, figures that sit on your shoulders uh, whispering sweet temptations into your life. Some people laugh at the idea of demons. 
But as Chuck Swindoll says, demons are neither funny nor phony. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at the reality of demons. Ephesians 6, this is the seminal passage in the New Testament on spiritual warfare. Look at verses 11 and 12. Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Rulers, powers, and forces. Notice the plurality of those words. It's not just Satan, but it is those who work with him, the demonic influences. Now, we're going to look at one of the most famous encounters Jesus had with demons. But the fact that Jesus talked about demons and actually interacted with demons means that they are real beings. They're not just the figment of somebody's overactive imagination. Demons are more than just forces or concepts. They are real beings. You know, to be a being, to be something alive, you have to have intelligence, you have to have emotions, you have to have a will. Demons have all of these things. For example, demons have intelligence. Look at Luke chapter 8, verses 27 to 28. Turn there for just a moment. Luke 8, 27 to 28. And then we're going to skip down to chapter verses 32 and 33. Uh, these uh, verses represent one of the most famous encounters Jesus had with demons. And we're going to see the personality of demons demonstrated here. Luke says, and when Jesus had come out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house, but in the tombs. And seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other? Jesus, son of the most God, I beg you, do not torment me. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine. And he gave them permission, and the demons came out from the man, and they entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Now let's look at what this passage teaches us about demons themselves. First of all, demons possess intelligence. That is, they are aware of what's going on around them. When they saw Jesus, they shouted out, Jesus, Son of the Most High, please get away from us. Demons possess intelligence. Secondly, demons experience emotions. That is, in this case, they had great fear about being cast into the abyss, uh, the place of confinement for demons. They felt emotions. Thirdly, demons have a will. The demons say to Jesus, Jesus, please do not cast us into the abyss. We do not want that. And then they creatively offer an alternative. They say, instead, put us into the swine. And when Jesus agrees, they cast or they submit themselves to the will of God. They have a will. And thirdly or fourthly, demons have names. Just like we have a name, each demon has a name as well. In fact, the chief demon in verse 30 is described as being named legion, a military term referring to 6,000 soldiers. Jesus interacted with demons. If he's not a liar, if he's not a lunatic, 
then the only other conclusion is that he is the Lord of all. He is the Son of God. And the fact that he interacted with demons and said that they are real means that they are real forces in your life and my life. Where do demons come from? Now, there are all kinds of ideas about where demons um, came from. But I think the most logical explanation for demons is that they were one-time angels who joined Lucifer in his rebellion against God. Now, you say, why do you say apparently? Well, the reason is there is really no explicit scripture that tells us that Satan, when he fell, was joined by a group of angels. Did you know that? Now, some of you are saying, Robert, we've got you there. We can point to a passage in Scripture that teaches that. You must have forgotten what you taught us in Revelation 12, verse 9. I want you to turn there for a moment to Revelation 12, verse 9. The writer of Revelation says, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, many people think that's referring to something that happened in the past. But as you know from the context of Revelation, this is something that is still future, that is yet to happen. This isn't referring to Lucifer's original fall. The context of Revelation 12 is the great tribulation time that is still to come. And John tells us that halfway through that seven-year period, after the first three and a half years, there is going to be a war in heaven in which Satan is cast out of heaven down to earth when he begins an unprecedented time of attack against God's people, Israel, and against Christians. So this is something that is yet to happen. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought Satan had already been cast down from heaven. What is he doing up there during the tribulation? He's doing the same thing he's doing right now. One reason I can say without doubt that Satan is not the one bringing temptations into your life is he's really not here on earth right now. Revelation 12 tells us that he is in heaven right now. He is the accuser of the brethren, slandering Christians, that is, slandering you before God the Father. Right now, Satan is in heaven doing everything he can to get God to change the deal he made with you for eternal life. He's pointing down there saying, look at him, look at her. Can you believe they're doing that and yet they call themselves a lover of God? Why in the world would you want to spend eternity with those sorry creatures? Let me have them. Let me take care of them for all eternity. That's what the Bible says in Revelation 12 that Satan is doing right now. He is the accuser of the brethren, accusing God's people day and night. Does that bother you just a little bit? But Satan is doing everything he can to get God to take back, to revoke the eternal life he's promised you. The good news is, right now in heaven, you have the best lawyer money can buy. He's called our advocate in 1 John, the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now, he is seated by God the Father, and he is countering those threats of Satan by reminding the Father of the price Jesus paid for our sins. So right now, he has a limited access pass in heaven, Satan does. He is accusing us day and night before the Lord, but halfway through the great tribulation, he is going to be cast out of heaven once and for all. So then, if this casting out is still yet to come, where did demons come from? And why do we get the idea that they're fallen angels if no Bible verse teaches that? 
because of the way the Bible interchanges the words angels and demons. Notice in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it refers to Satan and his angels who will one day be cast down from heaven. But in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, look at what uh, Matthew says. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. In other words, the Bible uses angels and demons interchangeably. A good way to remember it is this way. Not all angels are demons, but all demons were at one time angels. Uh, Demons are fallen angels that work to help Satan fulfill his purpose. And what is that purpose that uh, Satan has and his demons? Let's look at the work of demons, number five, that Satan uses them uh, to accomplish uh, on his behalf. You know, we said that Satan has a goal for unbelievers. He wants to bind them and blind them to the truth of the gospel. He has a plan for Christians as well. If he cannot have your soul for all eternity, he wants to deprive you of the joy of fellowship with God, of the influence you can have in the kingdom of God, of that rich and abundant life God wants you to experience right now. That's why Jesus said about Satan, he is nothing but a thief who came to to kill and steal and destroy. But remember, Satan can't be everywhere at once. And so he has demons to assist him in those very same purposes. Let's look first of all at what demons are trying to do in relationship toward unbelievers What he wants to do with non-Christians, and some of you are not yet Christians this morning, he wants to blind you and bind you so that you cannot accept the gospel of Christ. Now, sometimes people become so hardened in their attitude toward God, they have no desire to know God. But did you know the majority of unbelievers today do have a desire to know God? You see, all of us are born into this world as spiritual beings. We were created in the image of God. And even though we're fallen and much of that image has been tarnished, there is still that desire in every person to worship something greater than himself. Now, Satan knows that religious bent we've all inherited. And so instead of denying that religious bent, what Satan would love to do with his demons is to lure people away from the true God to a false god. Or he would like to get people to want to know the true God, but lead them to him in a false way. And that is the work of demons. Remember in the Old Testament, behind those gods, those false gods, were demonic influences. It really doesn't matter whether the false god is named Asherah or Baal or Moloch. It doesn't matter whether the false god is named Allah or Buddha. It's all the same. There is a demonic influence behind every false god. All false religions are Satan's attempt to lure people away from the true God. I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Some very sobering words. Galatians 1, 8. Paul was preaching to the Christians at Galatia who were being led astray by false doctrine. And look at what Paul says. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, let that person be accursed. 
He said, Galatians, if anybody preaches to you a gospel that is apart from faith alone in Jesus Christ, even if an angel from heaven announces to you a doctrine that is different from the Christian gospel, let that person be accursed. Do you think it's any coincidence that the two fastest growing false religions in the world today, Islam and Mormonism, both have associations with angelic revelation. Both of those false religions have as their basis an angel of light that appeared to their founder. Remember, it was in 610 AD that Muhammad claims that the angel Gabriel came to him and gave him the revelation that became the Quran. Between 610 and 632, uh, Muhammad says he received this revelation from Gabriel. In 1827, Joseph Smith said the angel Moroni appeared to him in all of his light and glory and showed Joseph Smith where the golden plates were buried. And Joseph Smith took those golden plates and three years later published the Book of Mormon. I happen to believe that Muhammad and Joseph Smith did see angels. I believe angels did appear to them and give them that revelation But it was not God's angels that appeared to them. It was Satan's angels. The Bible says Satan can appear as an angel, a messenger of light. And that's why we are not to be confused. Any religion that denies that salvation is exclusively through the Lord Jesus Christ is a false demonic religion that is used by the evil one to lure people away from the true God. And we have to be clear in saying that. Now, a few years ago, our church in Wichita Falls sent a group, and Walter led them to Africa to do mission work there. And one of the uh, participants in the trip shared this experience. He was witnessing to a woman who had spent her life in witchcraft. He was presenting to her the gospel, the salvation that was available through Jesus Christ. She cut him off and said, I don't want to hear any more. The spirits will not allow me to trust in Christ. She was speaking the truth. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says it is Satan and his demons who blind the world, the unbelieving, to the glorious gospel of Christ. But listen to this. It's not just religions in the third world that are instruments of demons to lure people away from the truth. Many, many religions in our country today that have long respected histories attached to them are false religions. In Galatians 1.8, look at it again. You have to understand to whom Paul was speaking. He was speaking to these Galatian Christians. A false group had invaded the church called the Judaizers. Now listen to this. The Judaizers weren't trying to get people to worship another god. The Judaizers believed that Jesus was the Son of God. The Judaizers believed he died for the sins of the world, that then he rose again on the third day. The Judaizers, these false teachers, believed that you must trust in Christ for your salvation. But then they added something to that gospel message. They said, in addition to trusting Christ, you must keep the Old Testament law. You must be circumcised. You must keep the dietary restrictions. It's faith in Christ and doing all of these other things that will lead to eternal life. 
Now, that is the false gospel Paul was speaking against. It wasn't a a message that led to some false god with a strange name. It was not some false gospel that denied the reality of Christ's death and resurrection. It was a false religion that added to the simple gospel message that salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Let me say this clearly as I can. If you are trusting in Christ plus anything else for your salvation, you are being deceived by demons. If you believe what the Word of God says, Galatians 1.8, that salvation is through faith in Christ alone, if you're trusting in faith in Christ and your baptism and keeping the sacraments and going to the priest to confess your sins and doing all of these other things, then you're not trusting in Christ alone. You're trusting in your goodness. False religions that lead people away from the truth, many times those false religions are dressed in fine clerical robes. They're articulated through refined and educated ministers, but they are the deception of demons. Only the gospel message that teaches salvation is through Christ alone is the kind of gospel that can save you. Pastor, aren't you being overly harsh? No more so than the Apostle John. Remember what he wrote in 1 John 4, verses 1 to 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world." Any religion, I don't care what its title, I don't care what its history, any religious system that refuses to confess that Jesus is the unique Son of God, that He died for the sins of the world, and that it is only by faith in Him and Him alone that we are saved. It is a part of Satan's deception to bind and blind unbelievers so that they cannot receive the truth. That's what Satan's goal, that's what the demon's goal is with unbelievers. But their plan isn't limited to non-Christians. Demons also have a desire for your life and for my life. The temptation that regularly assaults you, the depression or illness that pulls you down, the discord in your relationships, the private doubts you harbor against God, these are not just natural parts of life. They are the -the behind-the-scenes battles being waged against followers of Christ, just like you, by our adversary, the devil. And yet, as Christians, we have no reason to fear when we deploy the brilliant battle plan God prescribed for His children. We are on the winning side. And that's the central theme of my best-selling book I've written on this topic called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll make sure you receive a copy of my helpful book, The Divine Defense. Plus, I'm going to include the brochure called Equipped for Battle. This is something you can tuck into your Bibles or leave in your desk at work as a quick reference guide to the tactics that ensure victory over the devil and his schemes to destroy your life. David will give you all the details in just a moment. 
But first, let me extend my heartfelt thanks to those of you who faithfully support Pathway to Victory. Your consistent giving allows us to touch men and women all across America and around the world with the truth of God's Word. Thank you so much for your generous support. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. To request your copy of The Divine Defense, simply contact Pathway to Victory with a generous gift. This book also comes with a copy of the new Equipped for Battle Reference Guide. Call 866-999-2965, or even easier, simply go to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, you can request the complete CD and DVD teaching series for this month's study, also called The Divine Defense. These resources can be yours today when you call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You know, a lot of folks prefer to write, if that sounds like you, here's the address. P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins inviting you to join us again next time for a revealing message on how demons operate and whether or not Christians can be demon-possessed. Don't miss Wednesday's edition of Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. The Bible is full of ancient prophecy, and you can see for yourself where these prophecies will unfold on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel. Stand on the Mount of Olives, walk the streets of Jerusalem, look out over the Valley of Armageddon, all while discovering the impact of these historic places on your faith and your future. Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel, April 25th through May 5th, 2023. And sign up before September 30th to receive an early bird discount. To learn more, go to ptv.org.